Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. BFFT. Now, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, live from Atlanta, here's John Kanzano with the Bald Faced Truth. Well, I am in Atlanta. I've been here for several days. I'm doing this radio show uh, in Midtown Atlanta, and uh, I am uh, gracious uh, to the hosts that uh, have hosted us here at 92.9 FM. Uh, our good friend from ESPN 700 in Salt Lake City, Bill Riley, meanwhile, is also in SEC country. I went on his show today, airs in Salt Lake City. He's the voice of Utah sports. Bill Riley joining us. He's in Gainesville. Set the scene. What's going on in Gainesville? Gainesville is hot. It's humid. Shocking. We're in the south. And uh, anxious. Uh, a lot of Utah fans here. John expecting anywhere from twelve to 15,000 Utah fans. Bought up their allotment of tickets from the U. Bought a bunch from U from Florida. Bought a bunch on the secondary market. They've closed in on this town. And uh, the Florida fans are out in full force tonight, too. So uh, I think tomorrow's going to be a lot of fun here. And we're going to learn a lot about Utah in the first game of the year. Yeah, I think, you know, Oregon fans are, feel like they have nothing to lose in this game. Is Utah playing with different stakes, or do the Utes feel a little bit like they're, they're playing with house money as well? No, I, I think the stakes are different, John. I, I think Utah, after what they did a year ago and what they bring back this year, I think they feel like their stakes are a little bit higher. They want to defend the Pac-12 championship, but they want to, you know, they've got a schedule and a resume potentially that could set up if they take care of business to perhaps take that step into the playoffs, something nobody's done since Washington back in 2016 and obviously Oregon in 14. So, Utah would love nothing more than to be the third playoff team to represent the Pac-12 in the postseason, but they know they've got some work to do, and if, if they if they lose tomorrow against Florida, uh, that task becomes a little bit harder. So I think they feel like their stakes are a little bit higher. The questions for Utah this season, you come out of camp, what are the questions for the Utes? Uh, questions for the Utes coming out of camp, I would say probably special teams might be one of the bigger questions because they're generally very good at Utah. Last year weren't very good. You might be able to make a case that maybe cost them two games last year. The Rose Bowl, they had to drop punt. Um, they've got to fill the, the void left by Devin Lloyd. That was a big void. He's playing in Jacksonville now. And, uh, you know, can Cam Rising, who was really good a year ago, can he take that next step to be not just a really good quarterback but maybe an elite quarterback and help lead Utah to the next? That's probably three storylines we're keeping an eye on. The you know Kyle Whittingham, I think I think he did a spectacular thing last year in bringing that team and bringing it through tragedy, two player deaths, uh, and getting it playing great football down the stretch. But I think it's equally impressive that he somehow, after winning the conference champion, after getting to a Rose Bowl, convinced his team that there's unfinished business. How did he do that? You know, I don't know if he, if it was him or the guys, because, you know, it's funny. They win the championship. They beat Oregon a couple of times pretty handily. They get to the Rose Bowl. They go toe-to-toe with Ohio State. And most of us were like, what a game. 
But when you talk to the Utah players, guys like Rising and Kincaid and Keithy and Thomas and Phillips, they didn't view that as, a, as an unbelievable, exciting football game. They viewed that as a loss. They're like, we let ourselves down. We wanted to win the Rose Bowl. And I think they kind of talked amongst themselves and said, hey, you know, if we come back together, as good as last year was, we might be able to go a step further. So, you know, it, it's a cliche term in college athletics, but I, I think these guys, I don't think Kyle had to do any of the convincing job. I think the players themselves looked at it and said, we've got unfinished business. This game will be big for the Pac-12. I think a whole bunch of teams in the Pac-12 are rooting for Utah. How are you feeling about it? I, I'm picking Utah to, Utah to win the game, but Bill, how are you feeling about this game? I feel pretty good about it. This is a good Florida team. Now, it's, it's a te- team in transition. Um, Billy Napier didn't exactly inherit empty cupboards here. This was this was a good – there was some talent here, but the culture was bad, and they had some misshapen pieces. And they've got a quarterback who's a great talent, but he's really unproven, great athlete unproven. So Utah's pretty dialed in, and I, I'm around this team an awful lot. And there's, there's a little bit of a quiet confidence, kind of like I sensed in both that Oregon game and the – in the, in the Pac-12 championship game about this. So I, I feel like Utah's in a good position. I think they're the better team. The one equalizer, John, as you know, can be turnovers. If you put it on the ground, you throw it to the other team, that can be a great equalizer. But if Utah plays a game like they played in Salt Lake or in Las Vegas against Oregon, where they get that early lead, and to be very fair, you know this, Anthony Brown wasn't the best passer a year ago. He was a good, elusive athlete. I kind of feel like Anthony Richardson's kind of that same way right now, early in his career. If Utah can make Florida play a little bit from behind, I think they'll be in a good spot. If they play a clean game, I think they could be in a good spot. But if they don't and they turn it over and the crowd stays in it, I think this could be anybody's game in the second half. Bill Riley, our guest, ESPN 700. He's in Gainesville, Florida, where Utah and Florida will be playing. Florida's very good at home. Uh, Utah uh, will have to go in and disrupt them, 32 straight for Florida at home at the Swamp. Uh, what gives you the confidence that this team uh, can go in there, Bill, and play that kind of game? Uh, just based on really where they've been, John, the, the, the core of these guys, you know, one of the questions about this team in the offseason by some of the national folks was, you know, can Utah handle the expectation of being the hunted and not the hunter and not have that chip on their shoulder? And I said, well, you know, this group of guys, this group of juniors and seniors has played in three of the last four Pac-12 championship games. They won it a year ago. They overcame that adversity you talked about at the top, and they were really good in the Rose Bowl. And this is a talented team. So I don't think that the stage is going to be too big for them. You know, crowd noise and humidity, everybody wants to point to those exterior factors. But at the end of the day, they're a better, more talented team than Florida is. And it's very rare that Mother Nature beats you. It's very rare that humidity is going to beat you. So I think that these guys have build, been building toward this. I think on paper they're the better team. As long as they play their game tomorrow, I feel like they'll probably come out with a W. Could be close, but we'll see. The rest of the Pac-12, uh, you know, Boise State, Oregon State's a big game for the conference. Oregon, Georgia's a big game. Bill, give us an outside-in perspective on Oregon, Georgia. Um, I think this is going to be a closer game than the odds makers. I don't know what the I think the last line I saw, John, was about 17 and a half. Yeah, that's right. There's there. a lot of talent. There's a lot of talent. Mario, you say what you want about Mario Cristobal, but he recruited really well. And there's a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football led by Noah Sewell. And I think the offense has got some guys too. Now, I don't know, you know, what, what Bo Nix will do. 
He was a little erratic in his SEC career. I don't think the stage will be too big for him because he's played Georgia before. But I, I just think, you know, Georgia lost a lot. There was a lot of talent that left. They're a really good team. But I, I just have a hard time seeing a guy like Lanning, who's a, who's a really good coordinator, who kind of maybe knows some of the state secrets with Georgia, and a, and a youth in an Oregon team that's got a lot of talent and a lot of pride. I have a hard time seeing them getting beat by double digits. I, I think it'll be a closer game. I think it probably is somewhere within a touchdown to 10 points. I'd be surprised if it's not competitive through at least three quarters. The playoff expansion, is that getting talked about by the Utah fans and and uh, in your world? A little bit. I mean, we the, the story kind of broke during my show today right after you know I, I had you on this afternoon. Um, I think it's a, it's a somewhat of a big story. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's good for a conference like the Pac-12. Um, I looked at the numbers last year, and the Pac-12 probably would have only had Utah in last year, but it was a little bit of a down year last year. But, you know, so many people are out there saying, well, the reason they're expanding is the SEC wants more teams in. If you based it on last year's model, John, the SEC would have had three. The Big Ten would have had three. Um, the, the Big 12 would have had two. And then there was the Pac-12, the, S, the ACC, and Notre Dame. So... And I think that's kind of where, where it would go. I, I think the expansion is good. I think people are excited because I think in good years, that maybe a year like this year, if Utah's good, if SE's good, if Oregon's good, the league can get multiple teams. And I think that's what you want. We're talking to Bill Riley, ESPN 700. What does Cam Rising, your quarterback at Utah, need to do tomorrow to win this game? Uh, I think he needs to be the guy who he is, the leader of the team, the calming influence. And I think, if, again, going back to what I said earlier, I think if he plays his game, um, I think that's good news for Utah. I think what you're going to see, too, John, is they didn't take a lot of deep shots a year ago. Cam's arm was back, but it wasn't quite 100%. Um, the deep ball has been a big part of what Utah's done in fall camp. They feel like they've got a couple of guys, including Devon Vele, who can stretch the defense. So I think the next iteration of this Utah offense is going to be using those tight ends, running the football and pounding it. But I think you'll see Utah be a little bit more aggressive in the deep game this year and take some more shots down the field, and that's predicated on Cam Rising. Bill Riley, again, is in Gainesville, Florida. It'll be Utah and Florida in a big game for the Pac-12. Bill, is it too much to put the pressure on Utah, the pressure of the conference? Put a, you know, plant a flag in the ground, show that the Pac-12 can, can play the SEC. And, you know, if Utah somehow doesn't win this game, uh, does that – does that unravel or cave in on the Pac-12? Well, I mean, I, I, you know, people on the outside will look and kind of like when Oregon got beat by Auburn a few years ago, ironically by Bo Nix. I think outside people will say, well, look again, the Pac-12 can't win on the big stage. I don't think it's a season-ending loss for Utah. It just makes their ultimate goals a little bit more difficult if they want to try to reach the playoff. But I don't think it's too much pressure. Hey, you want to play? Does Alabama ever talk about having too much pressure on them? Does Ohio State ever talk about having too much? If you want to be an elite program, part of that deal, John, is having pressure. You're the guy with the target on your back, so you can't say you want it and then be be fearful of it if you get it. So I don't think Utah's that way. Kyle Whittingham certainly isn't. Cam Rising isn't that way. But no, I, to answer your question, I, I don't think it's too much to put the pressure on them. Somebody's got to carry it. So why not Utah? The uh, this game is does Utah have to do something? Because what I keep thinking about Oregon and Georgia is that Oregon's going to need to make some plays that are maybe a little outside the character of of 
the talent. They're going to need to create a turnover. They're going to need uh, to make a big play here or there. Does Utah need to do anything special to beat Florida? No, I don't think so. I think it's quite the opposite. I think actually Florida is the team that has to make some of the special and the big plays. I think Utah is good enough to run what they do. They're the better team on paper. Florida's defense was 10th in the SEC last year against the run. Utah likes to run the football. I, I think Utah can get by being Utah. I think it's the opposite in this game. I think Florida, with that freak quarterback of theirs, Anthony Richardson, has to make a few plays, have to create some turnovers. If this game's played cleanly and, and pretty evenly, Utah's going to win it by a couple of scores. So I think it's actually the, the big play shoe and the, the create the chaos is on the other foot for Florida much more than Utah in this game. All right. Outside of uh, Oregon and and uh, Utah, Oregon State's got a big one at home against Boise State. I mean, I think it's a real opportunity for the Pac-12 to go, you know, two and one in those three games, maybe, and uh, you know, go into week two feeling better about itself than it did last year in the non-conference. Um, all right. So you know, you get to Gainesville, you look around, you're seeing a lot of Utah fans. Is the mood festive? Does it feel like a bowl week, or does is it? There's a little anxiety. What's it like? No, Utah fans are excited. This one's been on the schedule for about four years. They've been making plans to come down here, and and I think people are generally excited to experience an SEC atmosphere, experience the swamp, and and I think it helps when your team is really good. I think Utah would travel anyway because the fans like to make a couple of good trips a year, but but I think it's a little bit more like a bowl atmosphere because Utah fans know they've got a good football team. And as a result, I think they're expecting to come into the swamp tomorrow night, hostile atmosphere and all, and see their team come out of it with a W. Now, whether they will or not, that remains to be seen. But I think there's a confidence about Utah fans. That, yeah, you're right. This is almost going to be like traveling to a bowl game. So, like I said, I think it's going to be somewhere between about twelve and 15,000 Utah fans that show up here. They love to travel. And I'm sure the Ducks fans are going to do the same thing in Atlanta. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it feels a little bit more like that postseason festive atmosphere. Yeah, Utah has uh, has done it before on a big stage, but here they are with all eyes on them in, in week one. All right, after this game, Bill, what's the next biggest game on Utah's schedule? Uh, I'd probably say UCLA. Uh, they've got the Bruins at the Rose Bowl October 8th, and then they back it up with USC at Rice-Eccles on October 15th. So uh, as far as back-to-back games go, going to the Rose Bowl against, I think Chip's going to have a pretty good team this year. I don't know how good their defense is, but offensively they should be really good. And then the next week you turn around and have SC at home. And I told you earlier this year when I was on with you, I think that game against SC is going to have an atmosphere that rivals that Oregon game at Rice-Eccles from a year ago. I love it. Bill Riley, you stay safe. Have a great game. We'll talk to you soon. There he is from Gainesville. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, John. There he is, voice of Utah Athletics. He's in Gainesville. I wouldn't trade him positions. I'm enjoying the Dragons. I'm enjoying the run-up to the Oregon-Georgia game. I'm live in Atlanta. We're going to play some Punch It audio coming up. We'll take more of your phone calls. I want you on record. What's going to happen in this game? What are the factors? If you are an Oregon fan or an Oregon State fan even, you tell me. Do you enter this season with more or less hope, angst, anxiety, excitement? What's your mood? 503-417-7575. The BFT in the ATL. John Canzano is on 750 The Game. 
Coming up, bottom of the hour, we'll play some punch it audio. Uh, I want to uh, I want to pepper the room with a question I'm having right now, guys. Is there more or less anxiety among the fan bases right now? I feel like there's a little bit more anxiety, and maybe it's a little new for Oregon State as they play a game against Boise State uh, uh, tomorrow night that I think really matters for Oregon State's season. It is a very important game for Oregon State. And Oregon, meanwhile, I don't know if there's as much pressure on Oregon in this opener given that people don't have the expectation that Oregon is actually going to win this game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I 100% agree. You know, I said this yesterday. I think in this Oregon State-Boise State game, whichever fan base loses is going to go home disappointed. And I know that's a spot that Oregon State hasn't necessarily been in in the past few years. But if they want to be taken seriously as, you know, a top half Pac-12 team and John Smith wants to get to that next level where they're competing for Pac-12 titles, they need to beat teams like Boise State, and they especially at home, right? Like Boise State, uh, we, we talked about them the other day. They want to get back to the New Year's Six Bowls. They want to get back to 10, 11, 12 win seasons. They were at 7-5 and five a year ago. I think one of these teams is going to go home really disappointed, and both fan bases are expecting to win. I think that game has a lot of, a lot at stake uh, in a week one game. Yeah, I think it's different for both fan bases. I think like Steven said, there's a lot I think there's, you know, some pressure on Oregon State and you know, I think they have to start their their year with a win if they want to take a next step up as a program, this is the game that you have to do it. Not to mention that their schedule is really tough this first half of the season. So if they lose tomorrow, this uh, the beginning of the season can go in a tailspin. Uh, I think for Oregon, you know, it's it's kind of a nothing to lose mentality. And I think you know it's a first year, first game head coach, and you're going up against the defending national champs. So I think there's excitement for Oregon fans just to see what Dan Landing pro Dan Landing's program is about. But I don't think there's an anxiety. I think it's kind of a uh, you know hopefully will stay close and hopefully the team performs well and um you know respects you know puts some respect on the brand and the you know the team but doesn't expect to win much i i want to for a moment put those four teams in a room we've got georgia and oregon that will be in the same room tomorrow we have boise state and oregon state they'll be in the same room tomorrow so to speak let's get all four of those teams in the same room i think of the four teams the team that has the most to answer is Boise State. Andy Avalos is coming off a five-loss season. There's some question at Boise State right now whether that was just a transitional setback or whether or not there's something actually uh, deteriorating inside the program. I think the Boise State fans are a little nervous about it, and they get an Oregon State team that's been playing pretty well, like made a bowl game last year, looks more physically imposing than it does in average years. I think second behind Boise State is Oregon State. Because I think Oregon State right now, it you know, they haven't started fast. We haven't seen them win an opener. Jonathan Smith's never been 1-0. He's never been undefeated. And this is new. And so anytime you're doing something new, I think there that comes with a little bit of apprehension, a little bit of anxiety. And so I think that game is going to be a little tighter played, like a little more feel out each other. Uh, you know, let's let's run the ball here. You know, but but Jonathan Smith this week when I did my interview with him, he talked about being a little bit of a gunslinger on third and one, fourth and one, and so I look at Oregon State and I, I kind of wonder if Oregon State might come into this game playing at home where they've been very good under Jonathan Smith and and just let it rip a little bit. And meanwhile, I think Georgia there's there's a there's a chance that Georgia comes into this game. You know, they've got some inexperienced players. I think they have eight new players on defense that have not played a snap as a starter. And you have, um, 
you know, coming off a national championship, a lot of sky-high expectations, a lot of fans. I think there's a chance that this Oregon-Georgia game is played uh, a little more wide open. I, I just kind of feel like Kenny Dillingham, the Oregon coordinator, feels like a lot of fans. Like, hey, you know, there's not a lot to lo- You don't have anything to lose here. Dan Lanning has gone underground this week. He's not out doing all the interviews and, and talking like he was last week and the week before. I think it's really interesting. I think he's hunkered down trying to do everything he can possibly do. I think, you know, the Duck fans feel like they're playing a little bit with house money. Like, nobody, 17.5 point spread, nobody's expecting Oregon to win. You might be hoping that Oregon wins or hoping that Oregon is in this game. But I don't think anybody is expecting it, and I think that takes all the pressure in the world off the Ducks. So I'll be really interested to see how these teams perform amid those circumstances. I'll be curious to see if Boise State's quarterback, who has been, you know, very erratic, I'll be curious to see if Oregon State tries to do some things to disrupt him in the pocket. But Beaver fans, you have to know this. This is a huge game for Oregon State. Like, in two words, it matters. And Oregon State hasn't been playing in games that mattered very often in the last five, six, seven years. So welcome that. Know that you're in a position where, you know, you're going to have a fun football game in Corvallis. And uh, I think it's a really fun time. Like, I'll just speak selfishly. It is a fun time for me to be a sports writer and radio show host. There have been some years where the football wasn't very good. There have been some years where I didn't enjoy the coaches as much. There have been some years where the expectations were kind of, eh, eh, you know. This is, like, we expect Oregon to make a bowl game. We expect Oregon State to make a bowl game. We expect that Oregon will be in this game against Georgia, the defending national champion, like that that they will be able to stay on the field in this game. And I expect that Oregon State's going to beat Boise State. These are new times. These are higher expectations. Am I crazy, Anna? I don't think you're crazy at all. You would tell me if I was crazy? Uh, absolutely. That's actually my role in your life okay. is, to, <laughs> is to be the voice of But reason. you know what I'm saying? Like, when, Okay, when you're covering TV news, right, and there's a big snowstorm. Yeah. You get excited for that, or you get a little electricity, or is it like, oh. I love covering snowstorms. But give me an idea. Like, (laughs) like, there have to be days or maybe periods of time and bad news cycles. Like, right now, like, think about the last couple years in downtown Portland. Yeah. I would not have wanted to be a TV reporter who had to go downtown and be in the middle of all that protesting and people and people arguing and the police. Yeah, and, that was exhaustive you know? and dangerous and yeah. not, not fun. But yeah. there have been other times where it is kind of fun. Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, I guess we get to all kind of take part in that excitement right now. Like, this is a great era as far as uh, for the Pacific Northwest, really. I would go even further because I, I just think there's a lot to root for. And when you feel like, like, I think that fans can feel it. When you can, when you can feel the enthusiasm across the Pac-12 on behalf of Oregon, like these are their opponents that are saying, hey, you know, it would be great for Oregon to do well in this game and to put the Pac-12 on the map. Uh, you know, I, th- I think that's very encouraging. I think that there are a lot of Pac-12 coaches who are rooting for Oregon and rooting for Utah and rooting for Oregon State. And jo- Jonathan Smith, I'll just say this. Jonathan Smith told me off air. He said he normally isn't that tuned in to what the other teams in the conference are doing. He's very focused on what he's doing. But he said, you know what? I hope Oregon goes down there and wins. I hope Utah wins. I hope, you know, he said, I hope we win. Like, that would be great for the Pac-12. I think if the defection of USC and UCLA has done anything, it has galvanized the conference in, in that way. And Do you just, think that that's uh, unusual within a conference? I think it is a little bit. Stephen, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, and with Oregon State, 
you don't want to lose this game to Boise State because it doesn't get easier, right? You no. you don't want to go in with the pressure at 0-1, going down to Fresno and playing Fresno State in the Bulldogs. That's a, that's a tough game, too. Like, this game is super important, I think, for Oregon State, not only to get to where they want to be, but also maintain themselves as a consistent bowl team. Well, and I think I, you've written in the past about Oregon State and how in the past they have been slow starters. Yes. So it's like they they drop a couple games in the first five, and and then they start like to build momentum. And I don't think they have the time to do that this season. They've got to be the hot way their schedule out of the gate. Lines up. Yeah. Because I actually think week two for them, Fresno State, and I'll be at that game. Uh, I think that's a harder game for them. I, I think Boise State at home is a little easier matchup. Not by much, but it's a little easier matchup. Going to Bulldog Stadium where they're going to throw batteries and screwdrivers at you when you're trying to walk into that stadium and it's like 95 degrees and you're walking down the hill into the stadium and you see a sea of red, that's not an easy place to play. And, oh, you know, they've got Jake Hayner at quarterback and Jeff Tedford calling the plays. Like, they're dangerous. John, do you, so, think, do you think Oregon State is in a must-win situation here week one? I, I'll put it this way. It matters. Like, I keep coming back to that. Like, either, there are times when I have not felt like games have mattered in this state. Th- this game matters. Like, Oregon State, I, I don't want to say it's a must win because I think they could lose this game. I think they could even start 0-2 and still get to a bowl game and have a nice season. But if they want to go to a really nice bowl game, like you want to go Holiday Bowl or better, the, the, a 2-0 start puts you in wonderful position if you are Jonathan Smith. And it helps you sell tickets. This is a, you know, they, you know, they only have 26,407 seats. It's a sellout. The USC game is going to be a sellout. The Civil War game is going to be a sellout. They're going to sell out a bunch of games. But then all of a sudden, they're going to have an ample number of extra tickets available when the west side of that stadium get, is done next year. And, you know... They want to come off. They want to be coming off a bowl season and a nice bowl season to do that. It helps everything. I want you to leave it here. Punch it audio is coming up. We'll take a trip around the world of sports. I'm broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia, site of the Oregon Georgia football game. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald. Hey, sorry to interrupt the podcast, but. If you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.